Hey there, I'm Julie, and this is the Married to Addiction podcast. If you're here, then you're probably what I call my secret sister. We're in a situation we never asked to be in and fighting a battle we never wanted to fight. We're women who are married to an alcoholic, and it affects every inch of our lives. If that sounds like you, then I want you to know that this is a safe place for you to land. Married to Addiction is a faith-based podcast where I'll help you find the tools and strength you need to navigate your husband's addiction without losing yourself in the process. So please subscribe and tune in as often as you're able. Because your husband's recovery is important, but so is yours. Hey there, before we get started today, I just want to make sure that you know about the Secret Sister Circle. This is something that I have just created. It's a brand new membership for my Secret Sisters, meaning other wives of alcoholics, that I really would love to have you join me in. It basically is a path to take you from being where you're at right now, which if you're like me, you're probably in the middle of feelings of hopelessness and despair and confusion, um, just not really knowing what to do, where to turn and feeling like there's no end in sight. So I wanted to create kind of a journey for you to get you from that place into the restoration and wholeness that I know you can have in your life. Uh, even as the wife of an alcoholic. So the whole vision for the membership is to get you off the emotional roller coaster of having an alcoholic spouse and just feeling like you're at the mercy of that day after day. We'll help you work through learning exactly what you can do to improve things instead of just feeling like you have to sit around and hope and pray that things are going to change someday. And also it helps you feel not so alone because you'll have a community of other sisters who are going through the same things that you are. So bottom line, if you need support and direction through the day-to-day struggle of being the wife of an alcoholic, then this membership is absolutely for you. I would absolutely love for you to join me. You can just go to my website, marriedtoaddiction.com and look for the tab that says Secret Sister Circle. I hope to see you there. Hello and welcome to the Married to Addiction podcast. Today I am super excited. I have a guest, which as you know, I don't have very often, so I'm really excited to talk to her. Her name is Alicia Michelle and she is from Vibrant Christian Living. excuse me, I have a frog in my throat today. Worst timing ever. (laughs) But uh, I'm really excited to talk to Alicia because she actually specializes in something that we talk about in my membership, the Secret Sister Circle, and something that we work on first thing when the ladies first get in there. We, We talk about this because I think it's so important. And she is really an expert in this particular realm. And so I'm really excited to hear what she has to share with us today. So thank you so much, Alicia, for joining me today. Yes, I'm so glad to be here. And I love your emphasis on the thoughts and focusing on the mind. I totally agree. That's a great place to start. Yes. So we are talking today about renewal of the mind. And of course, this is something that's biblical. There's several verses in the Bible about the importance of renewing your mind and what it can do for us. But today, I also wanted to kind of talk to you about you know, that piece of it, of course, but then also kind of like the scientific piece of it, because this Mm -hmm. really is science at its core. It's not just, you know, deciding to think something different. Like there's a lot of different layers to it, which I think are important to discuss too. So can we just Mm kind of have you start with just telling us a little bit about you and specifically what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am Alicia Michelle. I am a neuro coach and a Bible teacher. And I am passionate about helping women learn how to renew their minds, overcome those negative thoughts, but using both biblical and brain science truth to help that happen. So things like perfectionism and just any pattern where we get stuck in, where that's overthinking something, anxiety, 
those kinds of things where we we know what the truth is logically, but we just can't quite seem to get out of it. God has done amazing work in my life personally through that based on what I've learned and the training I've had. And so I love being able to help other women find that victory too, because as you know, God encourages us to renew our minds. But I think so many of us get stuck in the how. What does that look like? How does that happen when we want it to happen, but we just keep having these thoughts where we're stuck all the time? So I love doing that uh, through one-on-one coaching, through my course, The Christian Mindset Makeover, and also through the podcast, which is the Vibrant Christian Living Podcast. Yeah, and I had a lot of breakthrough in my life around this too. And in fact, I didn't even realize that we had so much control over what we thought until a a few years ago. I remember uh, the very first time I heard the concept, I think it was through Joyce Meyer, and she was talking about how you could really change a lot of things, uh, almost like the ways that you have identified yourself. You could change those by changing your thoughts. And one of the things that has really just plagued me through my entire life is being a worrier. I mean, just mm-hmm. like not a, not a little worrier, a big worrier. I've always said I can go from zero to worst case scenario in like 10 seconds. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really, yes. it's been a thing in my life, you know, my whole life where yeah. I just go down this yeah. wormhole of worry and it literally has made me like physically sick at times. Mm-hmm. And when I heard mm-hmm. that concept that you can change that and you have control over mm-hmm. what's in your mind and I started... Yeah really reading about it and practicing it, it is absolutely life-changing. It truly is. Mm, Absolutely. Right. And I, I, just to second what you said about worry and anxiety, I grew up a very anxious kid. I remember just, I mean, it just has come naturally to me to, to overthink and don't to like, what if everything, right. And I remember being a kid having a birthday party, almost every birthday party. I mean, at least till I was like 10 or 11, I was in the middle of my party in the bathroom throwing up because I was just nervous about what if this person didn't like me or if they didn't come. I was never able to even go there, you know, and enjoy it. And so it just seemed normal to me. That's just how you kind of handled things. You just kind of worried and thought about it. But yeah, for me too, when I got older and realized the effect that it was having on me, that it was truly just keeping me from not only enjoying the moment, but just enjoying my life in general. And then realizing there was a different way, it was transformative for me to see, oh my gosh, God wants to take this from me. I don't have to hold on to this. This is not the way to figure out what comes next in my life. I don't have to sit in that. I can move past it. And so, yeah, for me too, it was it was huge. Joyce Meyer is, is obviously, her Battlefield of the Mind book is, was a landmark book that's mm-hmm. been out for a while. Another great person who speaks on this is Dr. Caroline Leaf. She is a neuroscientist and also a Christian. And she talks about how our mind is separate from our brain itself. And I love that when she says that we are the only creatures in creation who have the ability to stand outside of our brain and think and decide what we want to think about. I mean, that's just a gift. So we have this privilege that God has given us to be able to do that. And that's part of what I feel like is missing in the church right now is that we're told to renew our mind, but we're not given that understanding in our brain to understand how do we do that? How do we step outside? How do we decide and control 
as much as humanly possible, of course, what we're going to be thinking about in a moment. So yeah, that's what I love sharing about and being, and, and just helping women with because it's, it's just transformative, like you said. Yeah, it really is. So what are some ways, I mean, we obviously know kind of on the surface how our thoughts can affect our life, but what are some, what are some other, I guess, like lesser known ways that our thoughts affect our lives that you, that you've come across in doing your work? Well, I think we think sometimes just that our thoughts affect us, but our thoughts affect everything that we do and everyone around us. So in terms of how it works in the brain is we have a thought and an emotion attaches to that thought. And then when that thought and the emotion are thought about more than once, or they're strengthened in the brain through neurological processes, it becomes a belief. And from that belief, we make decisions. And from that decision, we make actions. And from that actions, we have the results that happen in our life. So we sometimes sit at the end of the result and think, how did I get here? Why do I keep doing this behavior? Why do I keep acting this way? But if we go all the way back to that thought, that is where we have to start because otherwise we're just putting band-aids on it. We're just cutting, you know, cutting the weed off with just cutting the leaves off the weed, so to speak, versus getting to the root of it. So the biggest thing is really understanding, going down deep and figuring out what is the real reason behind these thoughts. What is the root behind these thoughts? We talk about in the Christian Mindset Makeover, we talk about core soundtracks, the three big questions that our brain answers specifically around identity. There's lots of questions, core questions that our brain answers in other areas, but we just focus on the identity and, and, and self-esteem part of it. But those three questions are, am I worthy? Am I enough? And am I loved? And so often what we're doing is trying to keep going on the patterns that were created when those questions were answered, when those are answered around ages nine to 13 in our development. And they're answered without us even really knowing it. It's based on well, I learned to be worthy because I did well in school or because I achieved or because I looked pretty or I didn't look pretty. So I had to compensate for that. There's all these things that we learn and those patterns are set up. And so as we go through our life, we find ourselves doing things that are a result of these deep patterns. So it's it's a lot more complicated than just what we can talk about here, but getting down to what those core soundtracks are and understanding really what we're operating from, I think is a huge step in in um, understanding what's going on in our mind. Because again, the importance of that is not just us, but what is our legacy to those around us? What is How can we shine God's light if we are stuck in these patterns of not being able to move forward? You know, mm-hmm. There's so much freedom that comes when we can live and do what God has called us to do. And we can't do that if we're stuck in these patterns. Yeah. And I love how you you basically said you're getting to the root of it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like when you go to the doctor and you have something going on, but they just give you a medicine that treats your symptoms. Well, my right, question right. always is, but what's causing my symptoms? Exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't necessarily yeah. just want to cover up the things that are happening because of something else that's wrong. Like what's wrong in the sure. first place? So it's exactly. so true. Like you have to back up. And that's something that I tell my ladies too. Like you, ha- before you try to start to change your behavior, you have to back up to that step mm-hmm. of addressing the yes. thought first because otherwise I always say it's just like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like it's not – if your mm-hmm. brain's not on board, your mind's not on board, it's going to be exactly. a billion times harder. So what does what does renewing your mind, quote unquote, really mean? Like what are we, what are we doing when we do that? Mm, I love that question. I think you can answer that several ways, but here's how I answer it, okay? I answer renewing our mind as – 
us getting in line with what the Holy Spirit says is true about us, God's promises, the Bible, and what he is speaking to us. So getting our thoughts in line with that. And I believe that goes along with what we read in Romans 8, 5, and 6. It says those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So when we decide, okay, this is the truth that I'm running my life up against, and that is a decision we have to make. I mean, more than obviously salvation comes first, but then we have to decide, is this what I want to base my life on? Is this, am I going to decide that when God says he loves me, I'm going to believe it 100%. I have to make that decision that it's true first, not just maybe it is, maybe it isn't, right? We have to make that decision. Once we've made that decision, then that is how God can begin to do that work. That's how the Holy Spirit can allow us to get in line with him. So renewing your mind to me is removing those things that keep us from being in line with the spirit and learning every day how to protect that, how to keep that focus on listening to his spirit. It's it's removing what's not supposed to be there and then keeping us in line with what he has for us and his truth about what the world is. And so for somebody that's listening that, you know, just kind of thinks, okay, that makes a lot of sense, but how do I like how do I do that in a practical way? What's like one thing that you could tell them that they could start doing today? And I know that it is a process for sure. It's not something sure. where you can just decide and then tomorrow it's done. Like it definitely takes practice. But what's a good place to start? For sure. Yeah. I think that a couple things. First, it's important to notice what's in there. Notice what you're focusing on. And it's, it's not super pleasant to do this, but if you even have a journal where you can write down for uh, several days, all of the thoughts that are in your head, and there's a difference between just thinking about it and going, hmm, and noticing and writing it down. Because when we write it down, it's just, wow. First of all, it does something in our brain where it become, we become more aware of it. It's going from just our, our cognitive side to, to actually visually seeing it in front of us and writing it in front of us. So it's, it's, it's more implanted, like, wow, this is real to do it that way. But it really allows us to see the patterns that are there. So we can see, okay, well, why am I not believing that God loves me? Or why am I always going back to this bad habit when I know it's not really good for me? Just starting to see what is, what am I thinking about? And, 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 and having that come out is huge. Of course, spending time with God every day is the number one habit that we can create because we can't have a Holy Spirit mindset if we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, if we're not letting him clean us every day and, and show us his truth. I mean, obviously that is huge. So I think the those first two things are essential to starting the process, noticing what's there and noticing, I have to say with noticing, noticing with love and kindness and compassion versus, which again, I'm first to raise my hand on this. This is something God has really had to work on me on, not harshness, not, well, of course, and you're so stupid and why can't you get past this and what's wrong with you? And you know better, all of that, looking at it with the eyes of Jesus to say, I see it. This is interesting. I'm just looking at it. I know God loves me, even though it's here. He's not judging me for it. And he wants to help me get out of it. So looking at it with compassion is huge. And then, of course, asking and bringing it before God, saying, God, what is this? Help me to see what might be there as you begin to uncover, how it might begin to, to all connect. Fear, of course, is a huge, huge part of why we do things. We could talk about 
security in the brain, how it's always trying to keep us safe. And um, fear and the inner critic is a huge part of how it keeps us safe. So we can start to notice some patterns that are there once we start noticing and really learning what that truth is that we want to run our, our life up against. So those would be the two things I would say to start with. I love it. And I love that it's also wrapped up in going back to what God says about us. Because mm-hmm. I'm guessing that pretty much every single thought we have that's a negative thought that's keeping us stuck, can there, there's something that God says about us that refutes that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty yes. much all fixable. It's just a matter right. of working through it, right? Yes, yes. And something that I've learned, which was helpful to me, two things. First, that this process of renewing our mind is not, it's not a journey with an end date, in this life, at least. It is a journey where we continue to improve and we continue to grow and God continues to sanctify us and grow us and heal us. But we are we need to get out of that mindset that we're going to one day arrive and we will not have these issues anymore, that mm-hmm. God will you know, we'll be perfectly in line with him and all of these things. That kept me that kept me frustrated for a while when I, after I started making some progress in this work. And it was like, well, why does this still sometimes come up? it still sometimes comes up because it's like a scar inside of me or inside of you. It's These are things that have such deep wounds that are there. Now, they can have healing and I do and I see every day with women immense healing in those areas. But we look at it and when it comes up again, it's like a different round around the helix, so to speak, where we see it again and we're like, oh, okay, so that's what that is again. But now I have the tools to handle it. So just to say that and just... Overall, that this work that we're doing with renewing our mind, there are there are very specific tools we can implement. There are practices we can do, and I feel like that's our responsibility in this process. But at the end of the day, we need to remember this is a supernatural work by the Holy Spirit. This is healing at its deepest level, and so we, as in all situations in life, when we are going through something challenging, we do our part. We show up. We connect with God. We listen. And then he has to be the one to actually do the healing and the supernatural work. So there is still that surrender and that waiting because we can't fully control this process. It is a supernatural work because it's, it's, it's God working. So I think those two things for me, as someone who is a recovering control freak, perfectionist type A person, that was very helpful for me to know that, that this is normal and this is part of the process and that I can continue just to relax and do my part, but let God bring the healing in an immense way. Yes. And and as you were talking about that, I was thinking to myself, you know, I bet when we do, because I have the same thing, like I've made great strides in how much mm-hmm. I worry, but sometimes I'll just have a day where yeah. I just yeah. am completely feeling not at all in control of what is going mm-hmm. on in my head. And I, I bet the enemy loves that. And I bet like that's kind of something that he uses because he's like, oh, you thought you, you thought you had this under control. Eh? Yeah, not so much. So Mm -hmm. I bet there's a little bit of like spiritual warfare going on too, especially when we're starting to make ground, you know, uh, take like higher ground where this is concerned and maybe start using it for good. You know, like you're helping other people with it and I'm trying to do the same. And I think that that's like the perfect time for him to come back in and say, you know, you, you don't, you don't have this all together. You haven't figured this right. out. So exactly. saying that it's a spiritual, a spiritual work is really important thing to, to hear and to understand, I think. So, yeah. And that it's not done, you know, that right. it's, it's, sorry to interrupt you. No, it's, it's not done that it's, it's, we, we don't need to have an end date to this. Yeah, I, love that. I think for a long time I was looking for, well, when this happens, I will be completely free of this. And 
sure, when this happens, it's going to be a lot easier for me to handle things. And it is, but it doesn't mean, like you said, that the enemy can come up with a new little side tactic to try to trick me into believing it. But the difference is now I have habits, I have mindsets, I have the tools to know when it happens. And by God's strength, I can work through it and I'm much stronger in handling it. So yeah, I think those are those are huge, huge parts because again, he like you said, he can attack us in all kinds of ways. And that's a perfect way, especially if we're people who are like, oh, well, I just like to fix it. I just want to check the box and be done. Mm-hmm. He's like, hmm, are you done? It's like, right. I don't ex- I don't need to be done. I don't need to be done. Yeah, for sure. And I think just the fact that when that happens, we recognize it because I didn't mm-hmm. recognize that that's what it was from for most of my life, you know, I didn't recognize that that was technically bondage that I was being held in. And so even just knowing when that pops back up, you know, not just saying, okay, well, that's how I am. Like, I don't, I don't identify myself as that anymore because Mm -hmm. I know that's not who I am. So even just having that awareness, I think is definitely, you can definitely look back and say, okay, I've definitely grown here. Right. So I want you to also uh, talk a little bit about the scientific part of this because the biblical part I think is the most important because it is spiritual work, as you said, and that's the most, you know, the most important work that we can do. But I really am interested in how this works in like the physical and mental side of things too, because Mm -hmm. it really is science that you can rewire your brain. So can you explain Mm -hmm. that to us a little bit? Yes, absolutely. So there's a couple of things that I'm going to I can talk about that will help us understand why we get stuck. So we can start with that. So the brain is obviously a very complex organ, but let's just talk about two parts of it. So the prefrontal cortex is that front part of our head, right behind our forehead. And this is the logical side of our mind. This is where we process and think about things, where we make decisions. We know right from wrong. It's the executive functioning center of the brain. Then there's another part of our brain that's composed of lots of different parts, where we'll call it the subconscious mind, the subconscious brain. And this is that lizard brain that you hear about, the the thing that just has more of an automatic response to things. But it also is a supercomputer in that it stores what we can think of as like computer programs. So if we learn something, let's say we learn how to eat, we learn how to use a fork to eat. We don't have to relearn how to use a fork every single day when we sit down to eat because we learned it. Our brain has a a memory in there, a neurological pattern that it runs every time we sit down to eat to learn how to use a fork. And that's great because the brain's number one job is to keep us alive, to keep us surviving. And it has to do that by conserving energy. So by streamlining it, it's able to do that more quickly. And so that is an awesome function. But well, going back to what we said before about the thoughts and the emotions combining to be a belief, and when that belief is repeated, it creates a decision. Anything that is repeated in our mind, any thought, any action, any this is why muscle memory happens, right? Anything that's repeated, our brain's like, oh, our subconscious mind says, oh, hey, you're creating a new pattern. Let me create a, you know, quote, computer program to run every time that happens. And every time that that thought has happened or that or the the physical action takes place, it is reinforced, that new pattern. So what is really happening in some of these deeper patterns around these deeper questions is that our subconscious mind has created these soundtracks, what some people call them is what I like to think of them as, these soundtracks, like, like records that are playing, that automatically are played the second something is triggered by a prefrontal cortex. So we think about a thought, 
And the subconscious mind says, okay, this is how we respond to that thought because it has a program already set up in there. This is especially true for those three questions that we talked about earlier. Those are programs that have been answered that when something happens around worth or love or identity, it's like, oh, I know how to respond. I know how we get worth. I know how we feel loved because it's been set up in there. So what we have to do is use brain science to kind of reverse engineer this. But before I explain that, let me just say that this is why it makes sense that sometimes we can think a thought logically and yet respond like, I don't believe it somehow because there's some sort of disconnect between that prefrontal cortex and the subconscious mind pattern that is there. So this is huge because again, we, how do we be, many people get stuck there and they're like, why is it that I can't move past it? Well, we have to think back to what is the core core soundtrack that's causing that to happen and causing that reaction. So again, the reverse engineer part is to figure out what that is. And we do something called brain priming, where we're teaching the brain a new neurological pattern using the same engineering science that it used to create the pattern there originally. We use a process called brain priming to put a new pattern in there. And the process takes about 67 days because this is about the amount of time that it takes for a new neurological pattern to develop inside the brain. So it is a process of putting that new pattern in and pruning away literally the old thought pattern as it's it's slowly being transitioned over. So at certain points in the process, like there's half of it, sometimes it'll choose this pattern, sometimes it'll choose that pattern, but we keep going for that full 67 days. It makes that entire transformation to this new pattern where when we think a thought, this is what happens and we respond in a different way. And the beautiful thing about that is that our brains are plastic, so to speak. They call it brain plasticity, meaning that our brain is continually changing. It's continually having the ability to, to, think new thoughts. It's not, we don't have to have the same thoughts that we've always had. That's just how our brain is. We get literally new neurons every morning, which makes me think of his mercies are new every morning, that mm. verse. I love, I love that. that. But that God gives us the ability every day to renew our minds in this way. So that is the actual process that I use to help women get over this and to rewire that subconscious patterning. And so that when they begin to think something in their prefrontal cortex, it actually sticks in their subconscious mind and they can believe on it and act in a different way. Does that make sense? Yes. And uh, I'm already sitting here thinking, oh, I need to use that for A, B, and C. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm assuming that this would work for pretty much anything though, right? Like any any place in your life that you feel stuck yeah. and any anything that you feel like you haven't been able to move forward past. Absolutely, yes. The deeper you can go into the thought, the more it's going to stick, so to speak, because you have to understand that the, the deeper the thought is, you know, there's other thoughts attached to it. So the further we can go into there to find out, and usually, like I said, and at least in the, in the work that I do around these specific issues I work with, it's around those three questions somewhere, somehow there has been an experience that's happened. There's something that's, that's, that's taught them this patterning. And so, yes, but priming itself is not, tied specifically to stuff in the past. You can use priming to prime forward. Some people prime, for example, athletes have used priming for decades to help them prepare for games. So they will think like, for example, a football player maybe thinks about you know, a professional football player, what it's going to be like for him to get to the Super Bowl. So he can imagine himself on the field, the crowd around him, what he's thinking, what he's wearing, what, what, what he sees. He can imagine all of that and visualize that and practice that priming that in his mind so that as it gets closer, as he his, his team advances, he's like, oh, I've already been here. I've done that. It's not, 
it's, it's basically setting a path for the brain to step into. So the same thing has been done experiments around people learning to play piano. So for those people who had thought about themselves with their hands on the keyboard and playing and hearing the notes and imagine themselves playing, going through a series of obviously, you know, I'm just talking about it like this, but they had specific things that they would go through to think about it and learn about it for a period of days. Those people learned piano much faster than those who just were sat down and taught to play by themselves. So it's setting a course for the brain to be different. Again, using it, I use it in the work that I do backwards to heal, but we can use it moving forward. Sometimes um, um, there are coaches who work with entrepreneurs to say they want to get to a certain level in their business while imagining themselves at that level. So it's really interesting how we can set our brain up for those things. Our brain literally, again, our minds control our, our brains and we have the power to control our mind to whatever we want it to be. It's a scary thought and a, and a not so, you know, a, a good thought, right? It's both being that, you know, you think about the evil in the world and what could be done with, with a power like that, but we get the privilege of being able to use it to help people grow and to heal and to get them in line with Christ, which of course is incredible to be able to have our mind in line with what God has for us. Yes. And it's not, it's not something that we're born knowing that we have control over that. Like Mm-mm. even my son, he's nine and I see him getting frustrated about different things or, you know, he'll he'll have one thing happen in the morning and he's already labeling the whole day a bad day. And I'm right, trying to yeah. like teach him how to not automatically jump into those patterns and mm-hmm. just everything that I've learned, which is probably just the tip of the iceberg and trying to relate it to him now as just a child is really interesting to me that it's not it's something that people aren't told and that people don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I love right. getting the message out there that it's not only something that you can do, but it's something that you really need to do. Like it's hugely important. Yes. yes so how absolutely. do you feel that this practice of renewing your mind, renewing your thoughts can help wives of alcoholics specifically? I Before I answer that, I would ask, I think I'm going to ask you a specific question so that, that to help me answer that better. So what would you say then would be the thoughts, the, the issues that, that would be in their mind that would be going on so that we can say, well, how, cause you're asking how would it help them? Mm-hmm. Tell me more about what that would be like, the things that they're working through. Cause I, I have some ideas, but I don't, I don't want to assume anything. And you obviously know a lot more about that than I do. So the bigger picture would be things like, um, hopelessness, uh, mm-hmm. fear, anxiety around what the future might hold, um, specific things. For me, it was a lot of um, letting my thoughts spin out of control about what was potentially Mm -hmm. happening right then. Like when I was at work, Mm -hmm. I'd be worried that he was drinking. And then I would start worrying about how, okay, well, if he's drinking, how much has he been drinking? Has he been driving? Is he supposed to go pick up my son today? And before I knew it, I was so worried and stressed out and afraid that I was leaving work to drive home to make sure that everything was okay, like just completely Mm -hmm. spinning out of control um, over and over and over again. So I think there's some Mm -hmm. bigger parts of it. And then there's just that daily struggle where you're in that constant state of anxiety. Mm, Okay. So in terms of the what if and the fear, that's definitely, I mean, we have to, when we deal with what if and fear, it's important for us to first see it as plausible. I mean, we have to understand, look, it's reasonable that I feel like this. And in this case, it's reasonable that I'm worried about him, that he might be drinking and driving. I mean, 
or what's, I don't know what's going on. It's, it's reasonable for me to feel that way because what we're, what we tend to do is to just shut it down and say, stop thinking about it. Don't worry about it. He's fine. You know, blah, blah, blah. We just shut it down. But that doesn't help us heal from it. That just keeps us in this state of, okay, but, 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 you know, we keep going back to it. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, again, that recognizing, yeah, it is very reasonable that he could be doing these things. And I have a reason to be concerned is, is, and that's scary to kind of open that up because you think, oh gosh, I don't want to make it worse. Am I making it worse by dwelling on it? You know, but that's kind of, to me, again, that, that compassion part, compassion for ourselves and understanding that it's reasonable is, is huge, 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 huge when healing in the brain. So first that, and then deciding or discerning, I'm sorry, discerning first, what is, what is true about the situation and what is not true. And in a situation like this, I think the topic of, of responsibility and surrender has to come into the conversation. And that's very, very, again, challenging to think about, but we have to say it's true that this may be happening and it's true that this might be happening, but it's also true that it may not. And it's my responsibility is, you know, I, it's that some things are outside of my responsibility to control. I cannot control what happens and what he does. Right. And I, I have to surrender at some point. My, um, my, my effect on him or what, how, what may, maybe I feel like I, it's my fault that he's continuing to live in this behavior and I should try to help. I mean, all of the, the, the craziness that can surround that, we have to kind of discern what's true and what's not true about that. And I think, especially in the area of control and responsibility for this perhaps would be helpful. And then deciding, all right, in light of all of that, where is it that I want to dwell? What is it that I want to focus on? What, where do I want to live? Right. I, I can live in, I can be somebody who's a work in progress and, 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 and being processing and also being okay. So, you know, I can still have thoughts that are concerning about him. I'm not just like going to wake up and say, okay, everything's fine, you know, but I can also be in a place of surrendered this situation to God at the same time. I mean, would you agree with that, that that's possible? Yeah, it is. And I think it's important, uh, like you said, kind of stopping it before it starts and say, okay, what's true? And it's yeah. funny that you say that because I just had that exact conversation with my daughter a couple of days ago. She had a friend that was mm. in a really bad place and she was worried about her that she might do something stupid. Mm. And so mm. and she was just like kind of spinning out of control with the worry. And I told her, I was like, okay, what what is what you do know right now is as far as you know, everything's fine. I said, so don't yeah. let your brain take you into everything's not fine yes. because you don't know yeah. that. You know, right. you're already living in yeah. everything's not fine and you don't know that. Right. And sure enough, she woke up, you know, the next day and she wasn't perfectly fine, but she was there. And so mm. um, I'm trying to tell her that as well. You know, if you can stop it right then and oh my gosh, yes. that would have saved me. I ended up obviously being in trouble at my job because I, I would leave a lot because I would just let mm. it get the best of me. And then before I knew it, you know, I've just got this, these knots in my stomach and I'm driving home to try to make sure he's not doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing and out driving around or whatever. So I think that, that is really, really important, especially for wives of alcoholics, because if you can stop it right there and just think about, okay, what is actual fact right now? What do I know is fact? Right. Not what I think might happen, right. but what do I know right. is fact? And just stay right there. I think yeah. we would save ourselves so much heartache and worry. Yes. Well, and like what you said is, is 
it's, I think one of the hardest things for me that I'm still continually, God is bringing me back to is the issue of control. And we try to fix it. We try Mm -hmm. to say, okay, this might be happening. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave work. I'm going to go over there and make sure it's not, you know, we were just like, then our minds can be like, right. Then we feel like we know what's happening. Truly, this is, this is a survival instinct of the brain that's happening. It's how I'm handling fear by going in and trying to fix it and see and make sure that everything's okay. It's much scarier to say, God, I don't know, but I trust you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't leave today at work. You know, I have to be here, but I trust you. I'm surrendering this to you. And this is what I'm choosing to focus on. I'm releasing this responsibility. That's much scarier and much harder. And like, we don't want to pretend that's easy, but I feel like the, the, to getting out of that pattern of like, just, well, I'm going to go and try to fix it. I'm, and there's this point where God goes, listen, this is not fixing it. Right. Let me help you. Yes. Let me help you. Yes. And so it is a, it is a process to letting God, again, that transformational supernatural part that he does of the breaking of just letting go is, can be so painful, but that has to be sometimes our next step to healing when we're doing that. And like your daughter was saying, like letting, I'm going to believe this and I I can't go over there and sit there with her. And, you know, as you know, it's with, as your kids are getting older too, I have teenagers now. It's like, that's one of the hardest things of parenting is just, man, you can't hold their hands every time they cross the street anymore. You don't know what you you just can't, you just literally can't, even though you, you know, you encourage them and guide them and all this. It's like the end of the day, they're the one that gets behind that wheel and drives the car and decides to do this or not do that. I mean, and it's, that's been a, just a true, like everyday surrender for me. And it's getting easier as they're, you know, I'm seeing good things and all of that, but still it's like some days it's like, man, that is so hard to surrender. So hard. Yeah. And it's definitely, you know, even more so, I think when you have a husband who is on a path to destruction. And I think that, I think that, um, you know, once you realize one of the things that really made an impact for me was when, and I don't even remember where I heard it or who I heard say it, but they were actually saying it about your children. Uh, but also I thought it so many times when I was trying to release control over the situation with my husband. And that is as much as you love your children, as much as you love your husband, as much as you want good things for them, God loves them more. God wants Mm -hmm. that for them more. Yeah. So for me, yeah. that was like super impactful. It's like I'm not just leaving him in someone's hands who no. is going to check on him every so often and he might be okay. Right. He might not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm leaving him in the care of someone who loves him even more than I do, which is an immense amount. So that was also really helpful for me when I was trying to give up that control piece. And I'm not perfect at it. I still try no. to grab it back all oh, the time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No. And then if we think about how God deals with us, he doesn't micromanage us and try to control us. Right. That's what's crazy to me about God is his, he loves us enough to give us choice. He loves us enough to say, okay, I'm, I'm still here. I still love you regardless, you know, but just, you know, you have the choice to do that or not, or act that way or not. I'm still here. But if he, we as humans are like, no, 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 no. I just want to help you. <laughs> you know, let me help this make this decision for you. Yeah. It's like, He's saying, no, the decision will be stronger when it comes from you. If you're going to choose to love me back, if you're going to choose to make the right decision, that's a stronger decision because you're making it, not because I'm forcing you to make it or I'm holding your hand as you make it. Mm -hmm. So it's like the trust he has in us too is an example of how we can learn to let go 
And like you said, we're not letting go just to the universe, letting something happen. No, we're letting go to a father who cares about them more than we do, right. truly, who desires for them to change, who is in control of everything around us, who can decide to, you know, whatever, supernaturally keep things from happening if he wants to. He has the power. And we have to just sometimes get our take our hands off the wheel and let him do it. Yeah, I just found I found so much comfort in in thinking that. I just think that it's especially yeah. in the situation, it's just super important to keep that in mind. So, mm-hmm. will you please tell our listeners where they can find you? Because I know that there's at least one person out there who's thinking, "I need this. I need more help with this. <laughs> I need." I mean, maybe even you know somebody who's in my membership who has kind of gotten a taste of what it can do for them, but would like to maybe take the next step and go a little bit deeper. How can they find you? Sure. Thank you for that opportunity. Um, You can find me at vibrantchristianliving.com. That's where you'll find the course, the Christian Mindset Makeover, and you'll find the podcast. I also have a Bible study. It's called the I Am Loved Study. But the bulk of the work that we do with the mind is really in the Christian Mindset Makeover course. So if you go to vibrantchristianliving.com forward slash mind, there is a free resource that you can get that will give you some free training on how to understand some of the stuff we've talked about today with the subconscious mind and renewing our mind and, and, and bringing both sides of that conversation together, the brain side and the biblical side together and learning some tools to get you started in that. That's a great place to start. Um, the Christian Mindset Makeover, we're about to reopen it again, probably late October. So I'm not sure when this is airing. But if you even just go to that, um, the forward slash mind part and you download that free resource, you'll be on the wait list to be one of the first people who hear about it. So those are the best ways to probably reach out. And then the podcast itself, we share lots of great information about renewing our minds and brain tips and biblical tips and all of that kind of coming together. So that's the Vibrant Christian Living Podcast. Awesome. I love it. I love the work that you do. It's so interesting and it's so important. And I thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. At the end of the last few episodes, I have asked you to please do me a favor and go rate and review the Married to Addiction podcast. Some of you have done that, and I'm so incredibly grateful that I wanted to publicly acknowledge some of the just super heartfelt, um, awesome reviews that have been left that have just really touched my heart. The last one that I received said, thank you. It's only been one day listening, but I already feel like I found my safe place. I felt so lost, and since I've heard your podcast, I've viewed and faced this so differently. Thank you. There was another one, too, that I just left. It says, uh, validation, confirmation. Oh, Julie, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story of struggle and pain with all of us. You are telling so many of our stories, and it feels so good to be seen. We are not alone in this fight. And most importantly, you remind us that God is with us every step of the way. You validate our feelings, give us comfort, and show us that there is hope despite the statistics. Secret sisters indeed. Sisters who need each other to weather this storm. Thank you for your work. It is healing me and blessing others. So I just wanted to share a couple of those with you. It's just, like I said, it just absolutely warms my heart to know that you are out there and that my words are helping you. That is what all of this is about. So thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review and a rating. I will continue to share these at the end of the next few episodes just because I really want to share your words and just 
Again, you know, be thankful and grateful that you took the time to leave a rating and a review. If you haven't done that yet, I would absolutely love for you to. It doesn't have to be a long review. Um, even a short one would be super helpful. Even just if you wanted to go in there and, and tap the rating, that would also be very appreciated. It just helps me get my message out to more people. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to those of you who have left a rating and review.